0: Praise the Lord. Let's gather back in for our second service. Um, We just have a few announcements of upcoming events. So we have some things going on um, in August. Our first event is the men's uh, prayer. And you're reading the book, Full Proof Man. So bring your book on August 12th at 8 a.m. You're going to be discussing that second chapter uh looks like it's uh, Ernest Shackleton. That's going to be a phenomenal discussion. Also, ladies, there will, or I'm sorry, the next uh, would be that Sunday, August 13th, is an all-church picnic. Um, we are going to uh, actually have our picnic out here on the grounds. Church will provide the meat. So just sign up to bring the different sides. One thing to note, we're only going to have one service that day at 10.30. And just like we do other services, we'll have prayer starting at 10. So a half hour before service, come for prayer. All right. And then, ladies, um, be prepared on August 19th, 10 a.m. There's going to be a ladies' fellowship, some fun. There will be details to follow, so be uh, watching for that. And then just a reminder that we are accepting donations or offerings for Move the Mission from now until August 20th. Hallelujah. Let's move the mission. All right.
1: My heart was distressed, needs to hold a thread round, and low in the pit where my sins dragged me down. I carved through the Lord from the deep my reclay, who tenderly brought me out to golden day. He brought me out of the miry clay He set my feet on the rock to stay He puts a song in my soul to today A song of praise, hallelujah he Place me upon the strong rock by his side. My steps were established, and here I'll abide. No danger of falling while here I remain, but stand by his grace until the crown I gain. <laughs> of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today, a song of praise, hallelujah. He gave me a song, t'was a new song of praise, By day and by night Its sweet notes I will raise My heart's overflowing I'm happy and free I'll praise my Redeemer Who has rescued me He brought me out Of the miry clay He set my feet on the rock to stay he puts a song in my soul today a song of praise hallelujah i'll sing of his wonderful mercy to me i'll praise him till all men his goodness shall see I'll sing of salvation at home and abroad till many shall hear the truth and trust in God. He brought me out of the miry clay, He set my feet on the rock to stay, a song in my soul today a song of praise hallelujah I'll tell up the pit with its gloom and despair I'll praise the dear father who answered my prayer I'll sing my new song the glad story of love and join in the chorus with the saints above. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts the song in my soul to a song of praise hallelujah he brought me out of the miry clay he set my feet on the rock to say he puts a song in my soul to a song of praise hallelujah hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus hallelujah thank you jesus oh you are the one who brought me out hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus hallelujah hallelujah Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. I give you glory. I give you honor. Hallelujah. I am so thankful, Lord, for this great salvation. Oh, Lord Jesus, for the cross where my sins were washed away. Hallelujah. My debt was paid. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've a home prepared where the saints abide just over in the glory land and I long to be by my Savior's side just over in the glory land just over in the glory I'll join the happy angel band, just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, there with the mighty host I'll stand. Just over in the glory land, I am on my way to those mansions fair, just over in the glory land, there to sing God's praise and his glory share. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, I'll join the happy angel band. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land. There with the mighty host I'll stand just over in the glory land. What a joyful thought that my Lord I'll see just over in the glory land. And with kindred say therefore ever be just over in the glory land just over in the glory land i'll join the happy angel band just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land. I with the mighty host I'll stand. Just over in the glory land. With the blood washed throng i will shout and sing just over in the glory land glad hosannas to christ the lord and king just over in the glory land just over in the glory land I'll join the happy angel band just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land there with the mighty host I'll stand. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, I'll join the happy angel band, just over in the glory land, just over. In the glory land there with the mighty host I'll stand just over in the glory land just over in the glory land there with the happy angel band just over in the glory land just over in the glory land there with the mighty host I'll stand just over in the glory land hallelujah oh I can't wait for that day Oh, yes, Lord, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. To see you face to face. Oh, Lord, to sing with the angels. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, Jesus, to see all those others who have gone before us. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we are longing for that day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, by coroza, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I can't wait for that day. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to
0: see him face to face, church. Oh, I am excited about that day. Hallelujah. Um, can you help me get started on?
1: me through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow, many arrows pierced my soul from without within, but my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night. But I'll cling more close to Him, He will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside. But my Lord goes ahead, leads whate'er be Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. WHEN IN VALLEYS LOW I LOOK TOWARD THE MOUNTAIN HEIGHT AND BEHOLD MY SAVIOR THERE LEADING IN THE FIGHT WITH A TENDER HAND OUTSTRETCHED TOWARD THE VALLEY LOW GUIDING ME I CAN'T SEE AS I ONWARD GO Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep, Then my Lord directs my bark, he doth safely keep, And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me, oh, I love him so, Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep, Then my Lord directs my bark, He does safely keep, And He leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me, oh, I love Him so. Oh, I want to see Him look upon His face, there to sing forever of His saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
2: Praise God. Let's worship Him, can we? That's our hope, church. That's what we're living for. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's our King. He's our Lord, our God, our Savior, our Redeemer. He's the lover of our soul. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the First and the Last, the Beginning and the End, which was and which is and which is to come, the Almighty. Hallelujah. He's the only one that sits upon the throne. He's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We worship You, Thou Most High God. You are our King, our Lord, our God, our Savior, our Redeemer. You are our all in all, our ever-present help in time of need, our exceeding great reward, our shield, our buckler, our high tower, our strong defense. He's everything we have need of. He's everything we could ever hope for. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We worship You, Thou Most High God. We praise the Lord our God in this place today. Hallelujah, Jesus. You and You alone are worthy to receive worship and praise, glory and honor, blessing and strength. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are so worthy. You are altogether worthy, Thou Most High. Thou Most High God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. That is what we're living for, church. Whatever happens down here, good, bad, or indifferent, it really is how you look at it. Uh, But uh, everything that happens to a Christian is good. All things work together for good. It may seem evil. It may seem bad. People may mean it for evil. But God means it for good. And after all that, an eternity spent with Jesus Christ. Wow. I can't, I can't fathom. I can't comprehend what's waiting for us. I can barely understand what's happening to me down here. The goodness of God. The mercy of God. I can barely get wrap my head around that, but it's just a it's a it's the earnest of our inheritance. It's a taste. It's a foreshadowing of what's to come. Praise God, Sister Rudy, if you'd come at this time. Amen. She's going to minister the word of the Lord to us today. While she's coming, if we could lift our hands, our hearts, our voices one more time, let's call out on the Lord our God. Let's ask His blessing. Let's ask His will to be accomplished here today.
3: Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to come and worship you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. We magnify your name because there is none like you in all the earth. You and you alone can heal and save and deliver and make whole. And we thank you, God, for your promises, for they are yea and amen. Thank you, Lord, that we can feel your presence even here and now in this moment, O God. We worship you, Lord. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. There's none like Jesus, none like you in all the earth. Your name is above every name, and we thank you for your name. We thank you that we can be washed in the blood of the Lamb. We thank you, Jesus. Bless your people, God. Bless us today with ears to hear, with eyes to see, and with a heart that would be delivered, that would be healed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I just feel like... I probably don't have to say anything because Brother Becker, he's just laid all the groundwork for me. But I do want to say this one thing, that God is so good. And my, one of my family in Kentucky were privileged to go to their camp meeting, and my granddaughter, she said to her mom after the first service, if it's this good here, what's heaven going to be like? What is heaven going to be like? We can't imagine. But I'm so grateful that we have a glimpse. So we're going to, our first scripture is going to be 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 5. We'll read that and then you can seat yourselves in case I forget. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangling himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strives for masteries, yet is he not croned, except he strive lawfully. You can be seated. Today, I hope that this message will penetrate your hearts. It's called, A Warrior's Secret. Warriors have secrets. Now, I've never wanted to join the service. Um, I know there are a lot of people here that have served, so I'm probably preaching to the choir, but that's okay. But um, I had a father that served in the Korean War. I had a father-in-law that served in World War II. And, um, of course, you know, after a war, what does Hollywood do? But they create movies about the war. So... Um, I don't know firsthand what it's like to go to war. I don't know firsthand what it would be like to go into the army. I know that for myself, I didn't really relish the idea of somebody yelling in my face or maybe in my ears, especially in my ears because my ears are so sensitive. But I give kudos to those who have done it because you've done stuff that maybe perhaps I could not have done. So what do I know about war? Well, I know what I've read. My father never really talked about it, and that's common. But he went to Korea, and he told me two things. The one thing he told me about was when he was on his ship on the way to Korea. um, Because they didn't have quarters for the soldiers, they were out on deck, and they didn't realize, but that black deck was creating... a a reflection for them to receive a great sunburn. So that was his first. And then he he didn't get seasick until he didn't get seasick until one day when he was in the cafeteria and the waves it, it was a really rough sea, and he said their trays just kept you know sliding from one end of the table to the other. And then a soldier got sick on his food, and then he that was it for him. <laughs> So, no, that didn't sound very much fun to me. And um, he did talk about being in Korea. He talked about how cold it was in those foxholes, but that was the only thing he talked about. I had an uncle that was killed during the Korean War. Um, His airplane went down, and they did never recover his body. That was my mother's brother. And my grandfather, or my father-in-law, he talked about, openly, he would talk about when he was in France. And part of his duty was to be on um, the mess hall duty. And they were told that they could not give out food. If they had extra food, they had to throw it away. And, of course, there were starving people in France. But the reason they had to do that was they were afraid that they would just be mobbed. And... um, one day, uh, my grandfa- my father-in-law, I keep saying my grandfather, my children's grandfather, uh, he, was, he was going to the garbage to empty this macaroni. And there was a Frenchman that came to him. He had a woman's purse. And he just pleaded with him in French. And my father-in-law knew what he was asking to give him that food. And even though it was against orders, he couldn't refuse that man. And because he did that, the Frenchman took off his wedding ring and gave it to my father-in-law, and my father-in-law wore it. He also talked in his later days before he was about ready to pass. He talked about the beaches of Normandy and how terrible it was. So there are many things that a warrior sees. Uh, There's a lot of conflict but we're going to talk about a warrior's secret. And these are not the memories that they hold, that they, do, they don't want to talk about. This is a different kind of secret. So, of course, after the war, they had all kinds of um, movies. And my dad was a uh, John Wayne buff. I mean, I think he had every, every movie. And John Wayne, he did do some you know, movies about the war. So, of course, I was influenced by that, I'm sure. Um, But I love history. And so um, there's always conflict in the world, and there's these wars. But I have always been interested in Japan. And I think the culture, not necessarily that was always good, but um, maybe it's because I can't hide anything in the Japanese they were really good about not showing expression on their face. And that always fascinated me because, obviously, that was not one thing that I could do. And I, I just didn't know, how do you not show emotion if something really terrible is happening around you or if you're really joyful? They just kind of have and, – and, and it's still, to this day, it's kind of like their culture. Um So it's always fascinating me. So one of the things that have fascinated me was the samurai culture. Um, So this is a samurai warriors, um, his armor. Now I've always thought it was interesting because no matter what period of, of time you're in, sometimes they had armor and sometimes they didn't and the armor was always different. But whenever I looked at the Japanese armor, I thought it looks heavy, it looks bulky, and as you can see, not only does he have a helmet, but he's got this face mask. How do you see through that face mask? <laughs> I like to see around me. I don't really like even a hat on me because I like to see all visually around me. So it always fascinated me, and I'm like, well, is that mask supposed to be you know, kind of intimidating, which it was? So samurai armor is made up of leather, of iron, of steel, of wool and cotton, and sometimes of silk. Um, so this is very ornamental. Obviously, obviously the samurai was higher ranking. He had money because the lower-ranked samurais, they weren't decorated like this. Uh, to begin with, the samurais were just soldiers hired by the government to keep things under control and eventually the sam and that you know we don't understand in cultures in the world um, because we always have every kind of everything we need but you know samurai if you could become a samurai to begin with you were probably a peasant that didn't have anything and so this was a means of obtaining some kind of Uh, security and money, especially if you were good at what you did and you were loyal. You could move up in the ranks. So to begin with, it was just the emperor that was hiring you. But eventually, the samurais became aware that they could take the control. And so that's what they did. They started fighting among themselves to take control of the island of Japan. It's fascinating. It's interesting. But in this time... Uh, samurai, there were no such thing as guns in Japan at this time. The Portuguese, they brought the guns to the island of Japan. But um, this armor, I thought, was very interesting because um, it is made up of um, scales that can be lacquered. The iron also has the lacquer on it, the coloring that you see on that. Um, So the scales were actually, there was a mesh behind it that they were kind of sewn onto. And actually the samurai warriors were first horsemen, and they used archery. They didn't use swords to begin with. And um, so the left side especially had some, um, there was between, between his his armor and between his body, there was some space because they felt like if an arrow was going to be shot and they would be hit with the arrow, that if there was that, that space and that, that um, metal mesh behind it, perhaps they wouldn't be hit. But as they progressed, it became more of a hand-to-hand battle. So then... Ryan, if you want to show the next picture, so then the samurai sword was developed, and this is a fascinating story. The swords were made out of iron sand. It was a well-kept secret, and even to this day, there are secrets to making the sword that they don't give out. Um, It's different because it's got one edge. And the outer edge is flexible, where the blade is harder. So it was a process. It could take from a week to two weeks to four weeks. I have heard, or I have read, and I don't know if this is true, that the iron could have been turned over four to a million times. Now, it's hard for me to believe a million times that there would even be anything less. They would have to add to it. But it's very interesting and they didn't want to put their mark on that sword unless it was a true sword that wouldn't break and, would, and it would complete the task that it was made to complete because it was an extension of the warrior. And as I began to think about all these different things with the warrior and the samurai, I began to think, well, we've got a sword. Yeah, we do. We have the sword of the spirit which is the Word of God. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divide and asunder of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow. And the thing about this sword is you can wield it. When the enemy comes in and says, I'm going to come in like a flood, and you can say, oh, no. Oh, no. When you come in like a flood, the Lord's going to stand up a. He's going to send his spirit, and he's going to set up a standard. You cannot come against me. When he says, I'm going to speak ill of you, you can say, oh, no. Any weapon formed against me shall not prosper. And any word spoken against me in judgment, thou, thou, you, you, you're the one that's going to say, "Uh uh-uh, because I'm the heritage of the Lord. This is a powerful, mighty spirit a sword that we can use, a weapon that can be used. And you know what? It says it's a word of the, the sword is the word of the Lord. Now, you got to think about this. Heaven and earth are going to, the earth can pass away. Everything on it is going to pass away. But his word is going to stand forever. Why is his word going to stand forever? Because in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was was god he is the word that's why it will never pass away that's why its power is even above his name because the word is going to stand forever because he is the word so we need to take our tools and our weapons and we need to use them for his glory for his kingdom so those are just a few things that i was thinking about now we're going to go to um we're going to go to genesis Genesis 24. But before we go to that, have you ever wondered about Caleb and, and Joshua? I've always wondered about Caleb and Joshua. These are the two leaders that went into to scope out the land, the two spies that came back with a good report. But only one of these spies ended up becoming the leader of the children of Israel. What was the difference between Caleb and Joshua? They both wanted to go in. They both knew that they could defeat the enemy. They believed what the word of God had said, what God had spoken to them. They believed it. But what was the difference between Joshua and Caleb? You know, Caleb was a mighty strong man. Even when they had conquered the land, Caleb came to Joshua and said, the Lord told me I could have this mountain. He was 80 years old. His strength was the same as when he was 40. He said, I want to go and conquer it. That That's going to be my inheritance. And Joshua said, go. So what was the difference between Joshua and Caleb? Well, that's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn about a, a, the warrior's secret, what Joshua's secret was. So if we could go to Exodus 24, 9 through 18. Now, before we talk about this, um, right before this, the israelites and moses had completed a blood covenant with the lord they had sacrificed half of the blood moses had taken and sprinkled on the altar and half of the blood he had sprinkled over the israelites because they were in covenant now with god they said you're going to be our god and we'll we will follow you they had come out of egypt they were in the wilderness No longer were those those Egyptian gods going to be their gods. So they had just come into a covenant relationship with God. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, Paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he had laid not his hand. Also they saw God, and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount, and be there. And I will give thee tablets of stone, a law and commandments, which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up. And his minister Joshua and Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Ur are with you. And if any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode abode on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered... It's six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. And at the beginning of that chapter it says, And he said unto Moses, this is God calling, talking to Moses, Come unto me unto the Lord thou Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship yet afar off. So they had just completed this covenant relationship with God, and God is saying, Moses, I want you to take the seventy elders, I want you to take Abihu and Aaron and Nadab, and I want you to come and I want you to come aside, and I want you to worship me, and I want you to eat and have fellowship. So that's what they did at the base of the mountain. They did that. And then he said, okay, after that, he called Moses up to the, to the top of the mountain. He called him up because he wanted to speak to him alone. And his minister, Joshua. Joshua was Moses' minister. Well, what does that mean? Exactly what it says. He was a minister. But it also meant a worshiper. Joshua, too, was a worshiper, just like Moses was. Joshua didn't see God face to face, but he was in the presence of God. God's presence was on that mountain, and they felt God's presence. So Joshua went up halfway up the mount, and Moses went to the top. And while Moses was there, now you have to get the picture. A week went by, and Moses and Joshua are still on this mountain. The elders and Aaron they had returned to the congregation. but they were on the mountain. okay, so a week goes by so nobody thinks anything of it. They can see they can see the presence of God still there. Two weeks goes by, 14 days. Okay. All right. Three weeks go by and the people are tapping their fingers and tapping their toes and saying, "Where is this Moses?" Why is he still up on that mountain? What they didn't realize was God was communing with Moses. He was giving him instructions about the tabernacle, about how it would run. He was he was communing, and it was not just like, here, you know, make this tent and do this and that. It was specific. So Moses ha- was having to retain all these things that God was telling him. And the people are just down there tapping their foot, wondering when they're going to get going. Here they are making camp. What's the next, what, what's the next move? And our leader's up on that mo- mountain. And pretty soon it's four. And it's five weeks. And they are getting disgruntled. So what do they do? Now, Ur was one of the men, like Aaron, who, when they went to battle and the Israelites were losing, they helped Moses raise his hands. As long as Moses' hands were raised, a form of worship, the Israelites were winning. But as soon as his hands went down, the battle went against them. So, of course, how long can you hold up your hands? So Ur and Aaron, they got a stone for Moses to sit on, and they held up his hands. Now, Aaron, he was a priest, and the people were getting disgruntled. And he was also Moses' brother. They were tired of waiting for Moses. They were tired of waiting for something to happen. So they said, okay, Aaron, we want you to make us a god. So he's just like, okay, well, give me, I don't know, he's easily swayed. He's easily swayed by the people. Bring me your gold. And he acts like he just threw it in the fire and, oh, out comes this golden calf. Well, of course, he just didn't throw it in the fire and it came out. He had to make the mold. He had to make the form. So, God in his mercy, you know, God is so merciful. He is so merciful. Let's read Exodus 32, verses 7 through 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be our gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. And now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. First of all, they weren't really Moses' people. They were God's people. But God was so angry. He was so angry. He wanted to destroy them and make a great nation of Moses'. Now, if Moses had not been a meek man, if he had been an egotistical man, it might have sounded kind of good to him. Yes, all the people are going to know that I worshiped you and my family. That's the nation that God chose. But he knew that was not really what should happen because he knew that, they, that the Egyptians and the, all their enemies would mock and say that God was not able to deliver them out of the desert. He had gotten them out of Egypt, but that was all that he could do. And so he intervened for them right there and right then. He didn't wait till he got down there. He intervened right in that moment. Aren't you glad for a man of God that will intervene for your soul, that cares for your soul? It's a heavy burden, and it's not easy. But he's willing to do it. He's willing to go before the face of God in my behalf. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that Moses stood his ground and said, no, Lord. And if you decide to destroy them, then destroy me too. So God, his, his wrath was so hot. But he turned away. And he said, okay, Moses. And when Moses started down that mo- mountain, Joshua was still there with them. They had been there for 40 days. Joshua was still lingering he was still lingering in the presence of God. He was waiting for Moses. And he said he heard the noise. He thought the noise was war because he was a warrior. And Moses is like, no. These people, they sinned against God. And the thing of it is, what we don't understand is that it was idolatrous worship. It was so wicked. They ended up being naked. They ended up that's what that's what the enemy does with us. When he wants to take us aside, when he wants to take us away from the presence of God, he wants it the opposite of what God is. God clothed Adam and Eve, so he wants to take the clothes off the people. So they went down there, and they spoke to the people. and And, and Moses is like, what have you done? You know? And so finally... He, he just He destroys the calf, he grinds it up, he throws it in the water. they have to drink that bitter water, and he's just so upset. So he wants to know who's going to be on his side. So let's go to Exodus 32: 17 and 18. Who is on Moses' side? Who is on the side of God? Who is a true worshiper? Find it here. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise is of them that sing, Do I hear? And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp, and he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount. And then we're going to go to Exodus 33, 7 through 11. And Moses took the, well, in between this, I don't know if I have the scripture written written down, but Moses asked the people, who's with me? Because he knew that they had sinned so greatly. And the Levites stood with Moses and they said, we're with you. And Moses said, okay, you take your swords and you go through the camp and you slay the ones that are not willing to submit to the covenant-keeping God that we just made a covenant with. You go and slay them and you get rid of it. Because rebellion has to be dealt with. If it's not dealt with, sooner or later it will be dealt with. But it's like a canker that will grow and grow and grow. So Moses knew right away that these people needed to be dealt with. God wanted to destroy all of them. But there were righteous people in that camp. And the righteous people took the swords and went after the ones that were not. It had to be dealt with. You know, we think that sin is not dealt with. But... It might not be dealt with here. You might not see it. But it eventually it will be dealt with. You have to decide. where Where is my sin going to be dealt with? Am I going to cover it by the blood of Jesus? Am I going to repent of that? Am I going to let go of that unforgiveness and that bitterness and that anger or whatever is keeping me? At what What is worth my soul? What am I going to give in exchange for my soul? You know, we think that We've got forever, especially if you're young. But how many car accidents do you read about a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old has passed away? Children die. Babies die. It it doesn't matter your age. The Lord's going to come on a day that's just like any other day. You're not going to expect Him to come, but He's going to come like a thief in the night. It's up to you to decide, when is my sin going to be dealt with? I want it to be dealt with here. I don't want there to be anything between me and my God because I love him. He's the one I serve. So they go and they slay the wicked people. And then we're going to go to Exodus 33, 7 through 11. And this is where I'm trying to get at. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp. And he called called it the tabernacle of... Of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up. They stood every man at the tent of the door, and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar Descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh to his friends. And he turned again unto the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not. Out of the tabernacle. When Moses went into that tabernacle to worship, all the Israelites went to their tent doors. And they too worshipped. And then he came out. But Joshua, he wanted to stay in the presence of the Lord. Even though the Lord had not spoke to him face to face, he could feel the residual of the presence of the Lord being there. The secret of this warrior was that he lingered in the presence of the Lord. He knew without God he was nothing and he could do nothing. He had seen how the Lord had moved in the behalf of the Israelites. He knew what a mighty God he served. Do you know that they had already received a word from the Lord? And the word was that when they went into that land, they were not going to go alone. The Lord was going to send his angel ahead of them to fight for them. You know, sometimes people say, we want the Lord to send angels into our midst. The angels are here. It's a worship that releases them, that the worship that comes to the throne of God, where he can release his angels to do ministry and to do battle. They are the ministering spirits. They minister to us. They, they come with healing in their wings. They come to deliver and to make whole. They come to help us, and that's what we need. But it doesn't happen unless there's worship That's what releases God, to release his ministering spirits, to come to us, to help us. You know that, let's go to uh, chapter 33, verse 2. We're going to go backwards a little bit here. And it says, I will send an angel before thee. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perzites, the Hittites, Hivites and the Jebusites you know the Lord has sent angels before us. He has already spoken about this church He has already spoken that there's going to be a great revival. He has already sent his angels out before us. It is us to us to worship to get to that place where we can be used of God, where He can release his angels there's nothing like the presence of God if you're weary, if you're tired he His presence will renew your strength. He will help you to mount up with wings as eagles. He will help you to run and not be weary. He will help you to walk and not faint. If you wait upon him, if you wait in his presence, there's nothing like worship. What drew you? You know, when I see the little kids worshiping, I love Sunday school. I love Sunday school programs. I love to watch those little children because they're worshiping. They are just giving it their all. And I just want to be up there worshiping with them. When you come in and people are worshiping and singing and praising God, it just makes me want to worship and praise the Lord. I want to get into his presence. There's nothing like the presence of God. That's what draws you. That's what draws other people. To you, is, is his presence walking with you, being with you. David. David was a man after God's own heart. Do you know that before David was a soldier, he was a worshiper? Do you know that before David sung for Saul, he sung for God? Do you know it was not wasted years when he was taking care of the sheep? It was not wasted time. It was a time that he could learn how to be a caregiver, because one day he was going to be king. He didn't know it. He didn't know that he was going to be in charge of the children of Israel, but God did. God was preparing him. He has prepared us for the moments that he needs us. It's all a learning process, a preparation period. That's what this is. So David, in those times when he was on those hills, he had his harp, and he and he could sing and worship and write those songs to God. Why? Because he was set aside. He didn't know it, but he was set aside for his future, for what God was preparing him for. And he had the time to sing and to worship. And then there came a day, like any other day in David's life, and God, God sent him on an errand. He thought it was his father sending him with some cheese and supplies for his brothers to find out how the how the war was going. Because, you know, back then they didn't have all the stuff we have. It happens in an instant. You can get online and find it out. But back then they didn't. Jesse didn't know that he was sending his son for a divine appointment that day. Neither did David know it. But when he got there and he was asking questions, And he saw Goliath come out and defy the living God. He was wondering why they were hiding and why they were afraid. And eventually, word comes to Saul that there's a young man that's willing to fight this giant. So Saul says, come on, bring him over here. And he does. The thing that amazes me is David had already been to sing and soothe Saul's spirit because that evil spirit had been on him. He had already been in Saul's court. They went to war, and Saul sent him back home, but yet Saul didn't recognize him. So he says, okay, here's my armor. Saul was taller than David. His armor didn't fit right. I think about those samurai, how uncomfortable that armor was. Eventually the armor became smaller. It wasn't so bulky. Because now they were doing hand-to-hand combat. So Saul says, here you can use my armor. And David's just like, I have not tried this. I cannot use this. You know, you cannot rely on the armor of another man. I can pray for you. But it's up to you to get your own armor. It's up to you to use the armor that God has given you. You can't use my armor. I wish you could. I wish that that there was no hurt, there was no pain. My daughter-in-law was talking to me about my, my granddaughter, Dylan, who's 13 years old, and um, Naomi's mother had passed away And um, all their life, all my grandchildren's life. They were helping to take care of their grandmother that was there in Kentucky. And when Naomi's mother passed away, it was hard for Dylan. It's still hard for her. You know what it's like when you have a loss. And she was just talking about how Dylan feels it so deeply, and I get that, because sometimes I say, Lord, I think I feel things too deeply. And, but I just said, you know, she has had to endure some hard things. She has had to endure some losses. She sometimes has been by herself. The younger two, her younger two brothers have always had friends, but she's not always had friends that were close. But God is developing her. He is working in her. And when she was at the altar in the presence of the Lord, he was renewing her strength. He was giving her whatever she needs to carry her to wherever he's going to lead her. I don't like it. I don't like people being hurt. I don't like the sadness. I don't like it that I cannot be there to comfort her. But I have a Father in heaven that can give her far greater comfort than I ever could. I can pray for her, but he's giving her the armor that she's going to need to do the job that he has created her to do. We cannot use other people's armors. We have to develop our own. So David was a worshiper, and he went out. And everybody knows the story. He couldn't use the armor, but he could use what God had given him. He had already told Saul, listen. I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear. Their paws were upon me, but God delivered me. So he took the tools that he had. God, had give him sufficient tools to kill the giant. That was the sling and the stones, the, the equipment that he was used to having. And when he did, he went to cut off the head of Goliath. But he didn't have a sword, so he took Goliath's sword and he cut off his head. I always find this interesting, but in history, I was thinking about it, and the Lord just brought to my mind, well, of course, David took the sword of Goliath. He took the armor of Goliath, and he took the head of Goliath. Now, he took the sword, and he put it in the tabernacle because David was not going to share God's glory. God's glory will not be shared by anybody. He knew it was the hand of God that had delivered Goliath into his hands. He took the armor and put it in his tent. But why did he take Goliath's head? It was to prove that he had defeated the enemy. He took it to Jerusalem so everybody could see. It was to encourage them, to let them know that God was their defender, that God was fighting for them. No matter who it was that was going to stand in that place and take up that sword, God was going to be with them. He knew that. He understood that because he was a worshiper. He knew what God could do because he had been against the lion. He had been against the bear. He had fought against them. He had been in the presence of the Lord. When nobody else could see it, he was worshiping the Lord. Can you worship the Lord in and- In your home, in your bedroom? Can you worship him in the car? It's not just here that you have to learn to worship him. It's not just with music. You have to learn to worship him to get into his presence. We have the privilege to be here now, but what if we can't? Can you worship him alone? David learned to worship him alone. And then there came the day. There came the day when they were going to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. They were going to bring it back to the tabernacle. And this is something that is hard to comprehend. But when they were going to bring that ark back, David already had it in his mind because he's a worshiper. They took six paces, six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. And what did they do? They sacrificed. And they worshipped. And then they took six paces. One, two, three, four, five, six. And they sacrificed. And David led them in worship. Oh, I want to enter your gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And then they took six paces. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, we're bringing the mercy seat back to Jerusalem. It's going to dwell where it's supposed to be. And he was worshiping and he was dancing. And it wasn't a block and it wasn't two blocks. It was a long process. It was bloody. But it was worship. And the closer he got to Jerusalem, the closer he got to the city gates, the closer he got to bringing the presence of the Lord, the mercy seat, the ark, back into the city, the closer he got the more he worshiped. The more he worshiped, the more others worshiped. And he began to sing. And I've got to get to the Psalms so I can quote it correctly. Psalms 24. So David is singing this to the gatekeepers. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in, and the gatekeepers are singing back to him. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, the gatekeepers, the people that were waiting at the gate, that were watching them sacrifice. They could see them afar off, and they could see them worship. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And the gatekeepers are saying, Who is this king of glory? And they sang, The Lord of hosts the king of is the King of glory, the Lord's strong and mighty in battle. it's him. David was a worshiper, and he taught the people to worship. He lingered in the presence of God when he was on the fields, taking care of those sheep, he learned to worship. There's nothing like the presence of God Can you just can you just stand to your feet and worship him? He's worthy of every praise. There are times he has taken care of us and we didn't even know. I just thank you for your mercy and I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the secret of these warriors, O oh God. They were warriors, they were fighters, but God, they lingered in your presence. There's nothing we can do, O oh God, for your kingdom unless we worship you, unless, O oh God, we take on your armor. Unless you go before us. You're always with us, O oh Lord. You go before us. You go behind us. You're always with us, O oh God. Always Lord. Whether we're in our homes or our cars, whether we're together, O oh God, you can we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for every every weapon of warfare. Thank you for every word that you've written that we can hide in our hearts, O oh God. I give you the glory. I give you the honor. I give you the praise. Thank you, Father, for releasing your angels to do battle, to do ministry in our behalf, even when we don't know it, (coughs) even when we can't see it, Lord. Thank you for moving in the midst of our families. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As Brother Becker said today, he talked so much about prayer. There's nowhere else I can go. When I can't do it, the God in heaven can. You want healing? Worship. You want deliverance? Worship. You want your family saved? Worship. Worship. Whatever you have need of, he'll give it to you. But you've got to worship.
2: And as we worship, understand, church, that sometimes we worship in faith. We're worshiping, as Sister Rudy pointed out, for things that haven't occurred yet things that we were looking for, things that haven't happened yet, but we worship anyway in faith, understanding that the answer is coming, putting our hope and our trust and our confidence in a God who will answer. And so we worship, so we thank and we praise, because we know, we are persuaded that our hope is not in vain, our confidence is not in vain, the answer is coming. Amen. We worship also, of course, for what He has done and also for who He is. Amen. We have so many reasons to worship God. So many reasons. And again, the reason we worship is because He is so good. He is so great. He has done so much in our behalf. We have no good reason to withhold worship from God. We have no good reason to withhold anything from God. Worship worship is more than just lifting our hands and our voices, although that's a part of it. Worship is how we conduct ourselves. Worship is how we act when no one's looking. Worship is, is obedience to the voice of God when we don't want to obey Praying when we don't feel like it. Coming to church when we're too tired or too sore. That's worship. Amen. Let's take some time to do that in our service here today. I know there are things in our lives that aren't perfect. I know that there are situations in some of our lives that if we had a choice, we'd choose something different. But even in them, we can worship God because we understand that even these circumstances and situations work for our good. They work for our good too. Nothing bad happens to a Christian. Amen. Everything in our lives is good. Isn't that awesome? Everything is good. Everything works out for good. And at the end of it, Everlasting life with Him. Praise God. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to rejoice over. To be thankful for. To worship God over. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hearts, our voices. Let's worship the King of Kings. Let's worship the Lord of Lords. He is worthy. Lord Jesus, You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy to receive all glory, to receive all honor. David wouldn't share your glory with you. Neither do we. Anything good in our lives, anything anything permanent or lasting or meaningful in our lives is from you. We've received it from you. The people that we are today are because of you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. And Lord, that You would encourage Your people today that You fight for us. You continue to fight for us. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, that we have an Advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the Righteous. Hallelujah, Jesus. Our hope and our trust and our faith and our confidence is not in vain, because we've placed it in You. Hallelujah, Jesus. Your Word will last forever. It will never be destroyed. Heaven and earth will pass away, but My Word shall not pass away. Hallelujah, Jesus. Your Word is yea and it's amen. The promises contained in Your Word are yea and amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. They are written with a pen of iron. They are established from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah, Jesus. These promises, these covenant promises You've given us. Hallelujah, Jesus. They are assured. It is. They must come to pass. They must come to pass because You've spoken it. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We laud and we magnify You. We heap glory and honor unto the Most High God. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do you have a need today? If you have a need today, Jesus is here. Jesus desires to meet that need. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. As Christians, as a church... I feel like we're still living below our means. I feel like there are things that God desires to do for us and in us. I don't know if it's it's a matter of faith, confidence, trust. For some of us, there are some things in our lives that we're not willing for God to move in. We're not willing for God to touch. We're not willing for God to... to to get into those areas of our lives. But if He would, listen, if He would, God could do anything that you need. He can do anything that you need. He can heal hurts that you received as a child. Wounds that you received as a small child. Emotional wounds, spiritual wounds. He can heal them. I know because He healed me. I know for a fact. I'm not telling you some theory. I know for a fact that God can do that. He can heal you of those things. He can release you from bitterness and unforgiveness. I know because He did it for me. He can do anything. He wants to do so much more. And when He starts doing more, He'll still want to do so much more than that. And after we get there, He'll want to do more than that. How much do you want God to do in your life? Folks, you can have it. You can have it. You can have as much of God as you want. Like Sister Rudy said, Tarry in his presence. Learn to love his presence. Learn to love God with all your heart. Make excuses to spend time with him. Make excuses to go to him in prayer. (laughs) He's so good. He is so good. He's so good to his people. Praise God. He's so merciful and so kind. The enemy's coming against you. If I may speak freely as a child of God, that's on you. I mean, that's a choice that you're making. Make a different choice. Take authority over the enemy. Rebuke the enemy. Tell him to shut his yapper. He doesn't speak to a child of God, not unless you're letting him. The enemy doesn't speak to you. He doesn't have authority to speak to you. Remind him of that. He doesn't have authority in your life. He can't operate freely in, in the life of a child of God. Remind him of that. Take authority over that. Don't let the enemy operate freely in your life. Don't let him speak freely in your life. And don't reason with him and don't, don't discuss things with him. Tell him to shut up and move on. I'm not buying. I'm not listening. The Word of God is what I listen to. Jesus is who I listen to in my life. If you ain't Him, then leave. I fear we've listened to him when he said that this is just the way my life is. This is just who I am. No, it's not. You don't have to stay that way. God can change. He can transform. He can heal. He can deliver. He can make new. He can make everything new. Just like that. Lord Jesus, I pray for this congregation. I pray for the people of God, myself included, that, Lord Jesus, You would open our eyes of faith, that You would help us to understand of a surety that You are here for us, that You are here to provide, You are here to heal, You are here to restore. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that You would open our eyes of faith, open our eyes of understanding, give us revelation of truth, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. That we don't have to put up with these things. That You've given us power and authority. That we can live beyond these things. We can live above these things. We are supposed to. We are supposed to as Your children. Hallelujah, Jesus. And that You fight for us. And that You are our God. And You provide all things for us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to not live below our means anymore. But that we would take all of these things to You. Anything that we have need of, we would take it to You. And not only would we take it to You, but we would trust You for an answer. That we would wait upon You for an answer. That our hope and our faith and our confidence would remain in You. That we wouldn't, as the people of Israel did, as You tarried with Your servant. As Your servant tarried with You. That they grew impatient. And they moved on on their own. They found their own solution. Let us not do that, Lord, but let us tarry at the altar. Let us tarry in the presence of God, waiting for an answer if necessary, if it doesn't come immediately. Lord, we're giving it to you, we're trusting in you. You placed curses on kings of Israel because they wouldn't trust in you. Would you turn around and, and, and deny us now? No. When we put our trust in you, Lord, you will answer, and that right early. When we put our hope and our confidence in You, You will provide, You will restore, You will answer in our time of need. You will give us the answer that we're looking for in our time of need. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You, Lord, because You are faithful. When we ask You for bread, You won't give us a stone. Hallelujah, Jesus. You'll give us bread. You'll give us an abundance of bread. You'll give us an abundance of that which we need. Hallelujah, Lord, as we seek Your face as we put our confidence in You. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that faith would arise in this assembly, that faith would arise in our lives and, that, and our hope and our confidence would be in You and You alone. Thank You, Jesus, for Your faithfulness. Thank You, Jesus, for Your long-suffering patience with us, Your mercy toward us. Hallelujah, Jesus. And Lord, that we wouldn't live below our means, but that we would avail ourselves of everything You've given us. Hallelujah, Jesus. You gave it for a reason. Help us to use it. Help us to live and to walk in.